What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another Superstar Scores edition of the Smart Guy Moments Smack Talk podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, are Callum Wiggins. Woo, insert O's. And Robert G. Felice. Otherwise known as Who, because I inserted an H that doesn't need to be there. We, uh, we're talking about Ric Flair today. <laughs> Apologies Ooh. for my, uh, my um foggy brain a little bit and my lack of energy uh <laughs> i'm feeling very sick today but um i think i'm still doing better than what rick was doing during his last right. <laughs> right away <laughs> yeah that's why we're talking about it because he had his retirement match and that happened on uh, the most recent one once yeah his um third retirement match maybe more um if you don't count some of the other ones but we are going to be given the usual breakdown here of the 10 different categories that we've got. And if you've not checked out the previous like 30 or something episodes of the Superstar Scores, here's a quick rundown. What we're essentially doing here is we're rating Ric Flair's full career, like the, his peaks, his lowest marks, you know, and kind of balance it all out from zero to 10 on 10 different categories that are broken up into two little separate umbrella categories per piece for like five you know, main topic, essentially. We've got athleticism, psychology, charisma, character, physique, entrance, professionalism, public relations, popularity, and credibility. We'll explain what those are as we go along here. But as we tell you what our numbers are, we want to know what your scores are. So by all means, drop a comment below on YouTube. If you're over there, you should also be hitting that like button, subscribe, ring that little notification bell as well. Kind of keep that uh, party going with those comments there. But if you're not listening to this on YouTube and you're listening elsewhere then go to smartcatmoment.com or set a tweet or, you know, do something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the setup. As I said before, we've done this plenty of times, so you should be aware of how it works, but if not, we'll give you a little bit of a breakdown. So the nature boy is who we're focusing on here. And we're going to start off with the ring skills section. Now, that is athleticism and psychology. Athleticism is their signature moveset, their finisher, whether or not they botch a lot, uh, their ability to perform a wide variety of moves, or if they're extremely limited. So, essentially, you're looking at, for instance, you know, a great collie, not very athletic, somebody like a... Shawn Michaels, very athletic. So we're kind of going in there. Psychology is more of their storytelling capabilities. So if they are having like their arm worked on during a match, are they selling that that is still hurting them? Or do they just up and forget like what John Cena <laughs> used to do a lot? Or are they able to keep a long match interesting? Or do you get bored watching their matches? That kind of stuff. So I... Currently have, and I, I'm going to kind of adjust, of course, along the way. We always kind of influence each other. I currently have Ric Flair at a five for athleticism. This is going to sound really harsh, but I've never really thought that his matches were all that thrilling. Now, psychology, he's going to get a higher score for that. <laughs> I currently have him at an eight but I can be persuaded towards a nine or a 10 
Because to me, a Ric Flair match is not about whether he's doing a whole series of moves and, you know, wowing the audience like that. It's him doing things like poking the eyeball of his opponent or trying to weasel his way into a victory or even when he's doing a little bit of the overselling, that's still more of the psychology aspect rather than athleticism. So I got a five and an eight. Can make me go up and down. I don't know. What do you guys think? I have an eight and nine. I think Ric Flair, for his time, the athleticism was one of the top people there. He was his conditioning was there. He would go an hour every night. I I think that he's one of the most athletic wrestlers of his day, and an eight is right about where I'd place him. He's not like a you know, Ricky Steamboat, he's not, you know, flying around the ring per se, but he is, the conditioning is there, so I give him an eight. For psychology, I give him a nine just because a lot of what he does is, does play around psychology, whether we like it or not. That's the reason he was able to do an image of what he used to do at the age of 73 because it's so based on head games and lack of bumping and, you know, I mean, it's, it's more based on, the work aspect of wrestling. So I'm going eight and ten. I think that Ric Flair, as Rob says, he gives, would go Broadway matches pretty much on the regular. So his conditioning is excellent. He's got a, I don't want to say like the widest move set, but he made the most of what he he had. I mean. We could look at a lot of wrestlers over the years, and they all rely on a very limited, finite set of signature moves. And Ric Flair was no exception to that. It's the the chop, the knife edge chops, the chop blocks, tack to the leg, the figure four leg lock, which is is one of the more like well known uh, submission moves in wrestling history. So I guess we have to give that credit as well. It's get climbing up to the top rope and then always being thrown off. That sort of thing. That's that's one of his moves, and I give him ten psychology because, despite the fact that he had quite a limited move set, it's the sign of an excellent worker and one of the best workers of all time to take that limited move set and stretch it out over a sixty-plus minute match, and which he would do with people like Ricky Steamboat and Sting and all these other legends over the past. And let's not forget, he was tasked with working with some you know, crappy wrestlers. Like, he had to go an hour with, like, people like Tyree Pride, who Tony probably has no idea who that is. And, like, he had to go an hour with the Junkyard Dog, past the Junkyard Dog being really, really at the top of his game. So I think he's legitimately one of the best of all time, not that that's any secret to anyone. Oh, you're persuading me to go up to a six on athleticism because I forgot about the the hour long matches and everything. But I'm still still can't give him a higher score than somebody like Cody or Paige or Matt Hardy or other people that I've given higher scores to. I think well, this is important. How often do you go back and watch Ric Flair from the '80s? Like, what is your perspective of a Ric Flair match? I've never really enjoyed a lot of Ric Flair matches to be honest. Pretty much across the board. 
like my main Ric Flair match is the 92 Royal Rumble, which doesn't really count. But to watch like Gee, Flair, Flair versus Steamboat, for instance, it's a style that I'm not super duper fond of. I can appreciate that, you know, that's at a different era, but at the same time, that era just doesn't speak to me. So, um, I will be way, way more on the positive side of things when we get to the mic skills though, because charisma and character, if you don't understand what it means, I mean, charisma, we're going with their mic skills just in general, you know, can they cut a promo without stuttering? Are they repetitive? Do they keep things fresh? Do they keep you interested when they're talking or are you kind of zoning out and then character, you know, their, their heel or their face stuff. What's their gimmick. It's tens. It's Ric Flair. <laughs> I went with a 10 and a nine. I went with a nine for character 10 for charisma because Ric Flair is easily the most charismatic wrestler of all time. Bar none. He's fun to watch. It's exciting. It's, character it's just loud and vibrant the only reason i didn't go with a 10 on character is because at the end of the day like there were more colorful people even in his day and i think that he brought the levity as opposed to someone like hulk hogan who was all character all captain america yada yada and i but flair flair is fantastic like these are the highest marks he'll get from me with this 10 and this 9. Yeah, so 10 for Charisma because he's Ric Flair. And whenever he had a microphone in his hands, it was the most entertaining segments of the entire night, pretty much. I mean, his matches were great, but he was a force of personality whenever he would be... Do, whether it was one of those NWA things where just standing around a podium, just owning everybody's... Capturing everybody's attention, just owning the room. Whether it's moving into like WWE, where he's like just the more elder statesman, and the thing with like the Royal Rumble Night Two, the tear in his eye, all of this great stuff, the that massive shoot promo on Eric Bischoff when he returned, just tore him just shreds. It's like that he's had so many memorable moments on the microphone. I also gave him a ninth character because even though he is a false personality and the character is styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss dealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, that was his character. And he didn't really branch out too far beyond that. And also you have to take away at least one point for Black Scorpion. (laughs) 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 Forgot about Black Scorpion. And, and and potentially like and and unfortunately this never came to fruition. But uh, him potentially debuting WWE as Spartacus or something. No 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 like no, no, no. Spartacus was what Jim Hurd wanted to do to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I was getting confused. Yeah. So essentially, just like get rid of his again characteristic long uh, blonde locks and turn into just a turn him into a gladiator essentially. Just a sign that, that Jim Hurd should have stuck to um, running pizza shops rather than <laughs> stepping into pro wrestling. Hey, hey now, ding dongs, great idea. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'll, I'll drive a little bit for that because I think he was so Ric Flair that he never got a chance to really branch out beyond Ric Flair. He was, he was essentially 
for kid as a as a kid or like as a younger wrestler, obviously he was a lot bigger. But then when he became Ric Flair after the plane crash, and that became that more Buddy Rogers esque nature boy character, which is also like his moniker is stolen from Buddy Buddy Rogers, so I'll take that as well. And he never really managed to move beyond that point. He was either just super heel and then got to the point where everyone loved him so much and he was such a legend that he could never really turn properly heel. Everyone was still going to treat him as the babyface and woo all his matches. But that's why I'm giving him a nine instead for character. I might go back and I might uh, dock him a point there. I'm not too sure. Let's move over to appearance. We've got physique and entrance. Entrance is pretty self-explanatory. It's, you know, what do they do when they're heading to the ring? So that includes their music and their pyro and whatever actions that they do, their taunts and all that. And the physique is their body shape, essentially. And we've said this before, but just to reiterate, not everybody has the same body shape. So it's not like you have to fit a certain standard of like a Randy Orton or anything. But if you are in a position where that's your gimmick is to have a certain other body type, then that's factored in too. But I'm not very high up on the score for physique for Ric Flair. Uh, he pretty much went from the big and burly era to the out of shape kind of um, that we've seen over the past, like, you know, however many decades at his peak he's maybe like a seven but since he wrestled so long after that, when I think of Ric Flair and I think physique, I think very low. So I'm kind of balancing it out a little bit. I got him at a six right now. How do you guys feel? I've got him at an eight because he was, you know, his physique was great for, again, his day. And I think that with the exception of what we saw last Saturday or who was last Sunday, he, the physique was always pretty at the level of Ric Flair. You know, I think he kept himself in good shape. So I give him an eight for just being balanced throughout his career. I went for a six as well. I think that it was never really about him. The, the way that he worked and the fact that he had so much charisma meant that he never really needed to, not that he never put any effort in, I would say that, but he ne- the physique was never the big thing with him. Like, he looked good for a wrestler. The hair is a big part of that as well. But it's he was never, like, ripped or jacked at any point. He was just, you know, in good shape. And then as he gets older, he's in really good shape for a guy of his age but he's a guy of his age and, that, and there's only mm-hmm. so much for shame you can be in. I'll, I'll put it this way. You compare, and I wouldn't never, never necessarily from an in-ring perspective, talk about this guy ahead of Ric Flair, but Hulk Hogan at the later parts of his age was in considerably better shape than Ric Flair was, at least to, from a visual perspective. I'm pretty sure Ric Flair, as was pretty much the case for his entire career, could work circles around him at any age. But I think that the actual body shape, I mean, you, you see that's the point where towards the end of his run with WCW, he's wrestling in a shirt all the time because he's very self-conscious about the way that he looks. Towards the end of his career, he's wrestling in a shirt because for some reason he wrestled in a shirt for his last match. Yeah. So, well, I think that's a good reason for that. It's the, the 70 
free aspect of, of this. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just think that, especially because he wrestled so long towards the end, we saw him wrestling, well, not consistently, but fairly often with TNA in his 60s. And he wasn't looking that great at that point. So I think that due to that aspect of it, I'm going to go down to the six because... I think for the, the vast majority of the career, he was in totally fine body shape. And especially early on, he was like burly and muscular. And I mean, he's never been bad looking, but like, you know, that that was more of like the prototypical wrestler shape. And then due to the, the plane crash, he shrinks a bit. He can't put on as much muscle. He relies more on his force of personality to be seen as a like an otherworldly character rather than the way that he looks. So, yeah, the Duke's a bit of a down for that. Now, entrance, I got him out of 10. Because not only is also Sprock Varathustra one of my favorite songs of all time, just because it's so friggin' epic and everything, and not only did I make that my entrance for my wedding, of all things, but you got the, uh, the robe, you got the pyro when he was able to have pyro here and there. It wasn't a regular thing, but, you know, sometimes they gave it to him. You got the woo that everybody just the entire time that he's going to the ring. That becomes a big thing. He feels larger than life. And when I'm looking at the rest of the scores that I've got compared to, you know, like a Chris Jericho or a Goldberg or Undertaker, those people have some tens. Yeah, I'd put it on that same kind of level. Got him at a nine. Like, it's a great entrance. It's just like... A notch below Undertaker, who I think is greatest entrance of all time. Uh, Ric Flair, in a lot of ways, invented the modern entrance. You know, he came out with the music and the robe, and he was one of the first people, I'm sure, to get pyro when they were getting pyro. You know, he he nailed the flair of it all, pun intended, and he's fantastic. Yeah, I'd say that I'm probably going to stick with a nine as well because the music is, again, iconic. It's iconic because of well, both for Ric Flair and for, um, oh, you, what do you call it? 2001. Yeah. So that the music is well known from that perspective. And yeah, he definitely came out looking flamboyant. The roads were great. The looks great. He would usually come out with like a bevy of, valets as well depending on what company he was wrestling in and the crowd was super into it especially towards the end of his career because it just felt like a big moment when Ric Flair would come out I mean the one that immediately stands to mind when you think of like biggest Ric Flair entrances is Wrestlemania 24 mm. just like all the fireworks going off the robe that he was wearing just all of that is just that I mean if, if all his entrances with that it'd be it'd be hard pressed to say like 10 10 10 across the board but for the most part, throughout the majority of his career, especially towards WWE and in WWE, like his entrance was his entrance. It's him, it's robe, it's that music, and yeah, you just walk out. I think that at a certain point, there are certain other people that, like, it's not Undertaker level, it's not like Triple H, those sort of, those sort of people. Like, I, I, I kind of see them as like having entrances that are slightly more iconic than Ric Flair's beyond the music itself, so I'd have to just give him a, 
and nine for that reason. Still at the very, very top tier, but I think there are some that have more um, memorable, have ever a longer series of memorable entrances. Also, bonus points for the two different songs that they used for the Four Horsemen. Coast and... I don't know if the other one actually has a name, but the um, the two songs for the Four Horsemen are two of my other favorite songs, too. So, even though that wasn't really the great entrance as far as, like, yeah, they're not coming in on horses or anything. Still a big fan of those songs. Uh, behavior. <laughs> Get some points docked on this one. Backstage professionalism and public relations. Uh, to further elaborate on what those mean, backstage professionalism is essentially whether or not they are a politician behind the scenes. Are they a locker room leader or are they somebody who causes problems? Do they willingly put people over and try to help out their fellow people or are they more concerned with? hey, I want to win, and if I don't win, then I'm not doing business. Public relations is the stuff outside of the company. Do they do charity work? Do they do talk shows? Do they promote the company well? Or are they getting arrested and causing scenes and having problems that are making the company look bad? We're not on pretty high scores on this. I think we can all agree, right? I Well, we're backstage. I have him... Out of seven, because regardless of his outside the ring stuff, which we'll get to with the public relations, everybody, for the most part, in wrestling loves Ric Flair. Like, even you can knock him a few points for getting into a fight with Eric Bischoff, but even Eric Bischoff today loves Ric Flair. And I think when you can get the entire wrestling world to put on a show for you so that you can have another final match at 73 with everyone from The Rock to uh, Shawn Michaels to Nick Aldis to Ziggler to Undertaker sitting front row just so they can all say, we love you, we will always love you, we always appreciate you. I couldn't give him a, a low score here. And on top of that, you talk about putting people over. I don't think... Ric Flair was ever a stickler for, I have to win this match because clearly he's lost many, many times. So I got about a seven for backstage. Public relations, I guess I'll just go here. I'm at a four because he's not great behind the scenes. <laughs> and and uh, I, I bet at a four, I could be swayed to go lower. I still probably have him higher than one of you two do, but he's not great here. The This is where the character part catches up to him because as much as we love Ric Flair, the character, it strongly, strongly appears that he was never able to not be Ric Flair, the character, and we've heard a lot of stories about the things he would do behind the scenes that are, you know, definitely looked upon in a different light in 2022, so much so that he was removed for a while from the WWE signature. And it's it's not a great look all the time when you're the nature boy. But I give him a four. What about you, Callum? So for backstage, I'm going to go with seven as well. All mainly sevens due, then for us? Yeah, mainly due to the fact that, yeah, he has had some scuffles and problems behind the scenes there's 
pretty much anybody that's had a like a fifty plus year career, I'm sure, has had plenty of altercations and issues behind the scenes, and yeah, and dramas both of his own making and those of other people's as well. The Bischoff thing, I assume he's had plenty of stuff with like four horsemen as well, and I think that. Even in spite of all that, like the whole wrestling world reveres Ric Flair. So it's gone to a point, especially now, where he could say all these things or do all of these things, and people are just could say, oh, Rick's the greatest of all time, and we'll just almost let it slide. And that actually brings me to the public relations side of things where I've given him a six. Because I, I'll, I'll put this completely out there if someone came into the rest of his this day, and did everything that Ric Flair did, they'd be out of the wrestling business before they even had a chance to like win a, win one world title, let alone 16. Because it's a completely different era. We have completely different sensibilities. Someone like a Ric Flair wouldn't fly nowadays. Unless, well, Ric Flair might be able to get away with it because of just how charismatic and over the top he is but it's gone to a point that yes he does he's had so many things come out against him that he is an alcoholic and he is somebody who spent way too much time chasing women despite being married and having kids at home and all this stuff and he's been divorced multiple times and then there's the um plane ride from hell incident and that's just the one that we know about and then all this other stuff that could be out in the atmosphere as well and it should kill anybody's career like fucking hell like look at hogan there's a lot of people that really dislike hogan and there's a lot of people that really dislike player and it's like and i can't blame them for doing so but hogan suffered a lot of stuff as well and his name is dragged up to the point where people won't cheer him if Ric Flair comes out on an episode of WWE TV he's getting cheered and that's just again I'm not saying it's right that they do cheer him and they or that they should be booing him the same amount as they boo Hogan or any other thing that people have the right to do whatever they want to do but I just feel it's a bit odd that Ric Flair's gotten as free of a ride as you can have at his age than you possibly can and also he's got PR positives in the sense that he nearly died and he came back from it he, he's nearly died multiple times he nearly died in a plane crash and survived that and then he had that incident a couple of years back as well when everyone thought that he was on death's door and he's come back to not only do that but to wrestle one final match as well I think that there is a unbelievable amount of affection towards Ric Flair which is essentially going to steer him through any turbulent wars that he ever comes across and make sure that they're only just you know fleeting issues rather than something that's ever going to kill his legacy or his career so that's why I don't think I can go any lower than a six because Ric Flair is essentially Teflon nothing will ever bring him down I'm going to four because uh, <clears throat> even though Ric Flair seems to get a pass from a lot of people and they kind of judge him as like, ah, you know, that's Rick. I'm not going to give him uh, a higher score than some of the other people that I've given low scores to, like Paige and, you know, uh, the Bob Holly and whatnot. 
because uh, I'm going to hold him accountable for it. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly now that people are just kind of willing to do the whole like, oh, older people tend to just, they're from a different era, so it's, it doesn't matter as much. And if you were to catch him in the act of doing any of that stuff now, I think that you can't go from the five plus. So I'm going to go for I do think you should raise Paige's score a little bit. It's a little harsh, but she had a lot of issues going on for a while there. Yeah. I, I would, I would also say, um, what's your scores for Kane right now for public relations? The Kane one. If, <laughs> yeah. if we were going to, um, do an adjustment of Kane, certainly not going to be as high as it was. Apparently you have He's Kane a, at a nine. He was at a nine before. That's not good uh, anymore. <laughs> I, I do understand. I'm not saying that you guys are wrong for your scores whatsoever. Yet. By any other standards, he should be that low down. I just think that, again, as much as I dislike this and I don't think this is right, you know, I talk about ages in all multiple times about the whole Mike Tyson situation and why he gets a free pass for things that other people would never see daylight again if they'd gone through a lot of the stuff that he went through. Just... Um, but at the end of the day, that's how the world operates. And Rick is like, at the end of the day, like, had got Cody Rhodes and loads of other people talking at that show. Just feel like if they really were worried about what people thought of Ric Flair, they would never have attached their names to this thing. But to go a, a step further, a guy like Hogan, who Callum was talking about, you know. People don't want to touch Hogan. It's crazy how there's there's this weird aura of like, oh, here comes Hulk. But with Flair, and maybe it's because of the fact that what you see is what you get. But with Flair, there's just never been that energy to it. I don't know how to explain it. Well, rounding this out, we got crowd reaction, popularity, and credibility. Popularity is pretty self-explanatory, you know, the, how popular are they? <laughs> and credibility is more of their kayfabe kind of uh, positioning. Obviously, Hall of Famers and everything, that gives you a boost. But the likelihood that you are like a Brock Lesnar where you beat pretty much every single person easily, or if you are somebody on the lower end who gets their ass kicked all the time. So I'm going a nine for popularity. Flair could be a ten. It kind of it's hard to tell. I mean, I haven't given a ten out to I think anybody. No, I give a ten to to Austin. Flair of his era was a ten, and he's continued to still be super popular despite his age and everything. So I I, I could see that being a ten. I, don't know, I might have to come back to that. At the very least, he's a nine, though. I mean, the guy is all over the place with people just like, you know, like Snoop Dogg will be like, you know, okay, yeah, Ric Flair, you know. Um, yeah, you know, I think I probably will give him a 10. Um, credibility, though, I can't give him a 10. Yeah, he's a 16-time world champion and all that, but he lost a lot of matches, and he would win matches just because he was like a... Uh, you know, he, okay, he's winning the championship because he cheated and everything. So, Hall of Famer and all that, yeah. But 
if you've got Ric Flair in a match for decades, I'm not necessarily thinking that he's going to win. So I'm going to go an eight on that one. So I have him at an eight for both. I've been an eight for popularity because here is where I do take into account on minus two for that section of the audience that just doesn't want to see Ric Flair because they don't. They're they're that section that doesn't care about it. Oh, uh, that was it was another time. Like they're over Ric Flair. They're over the stories. They don't want to see it. So I'm putting him at an eight for that. And for credibility, he's at an eight because not only everything Tony mentioned, but there is just the God's honest truth that whenever Hogan came around, whenever, you know, whenever there was someone else, Ric Flair is the kind of guy who would be slotted to the mid card. Like he left WWE in 93 because Vince uh, Vince flat out said, you know, I'm going to go younger. I can keep you around in a mid-card spot, or you can go back to WCW. So he went, and then as soon as Hogan came, he's fighting Conan for the U.S. title. So I give him an eight, but he is a 16-time world champion. He is a two-time Hall of Famer. He is everything wrestling is, except one of the guys that, you know, really gets credit for carrying promotions. So I've gone 10 for popularity. Even though I agree with Rob, there are people now that just won't want to get involved with him at all. And you can argue they're right to do so. I think that that's a very small minority. And throughout the course of his entire career, Ric Flair has been the biggest star in pretty much any promotion that he's been in, out to, towards, except for like towards the very back end of his career. But you can say that... Yeah, with, through WCW and WA, he was the biggest name in wrestling outside of, well, alongside Hulk Hogan. I I definitely get it. Like, he he's easily someone who I think, as time has gone on, surprisingly, I think his impact now, with all, like, the Ric Flair drip kind of stuff, is probably greater in the mainstream than it was, you know, when he was an active competitor. So what are you going for credibility? Did we lose Callum? Might have lost Callum. We might have lost him. In the meantime, uh, I am tallying up my score. Uh, We'll come back to Callum's uh, credibility score, then he'll be able to give his full score. I'm at a 78. I'm at a 79, and honestly, I feel like that's a bit low for flair, but it's, I'm just doing the math, you know, like flair to me, it's so weird. Like he is him and Hogan are nearly the epitome of the Joker quote. Either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's two face. But yeah, that's what I said. You said Joker. <laughs> I, Hey, Hey, you're the one that's sick today. Not me. <laughs> So you really, they really are the epitome of that quote because, you know, if Hogan passes before the tape leaks, oh, we're all talking about how he's 
you know, the number one icon greatest of all time. Same thing with Flair. I think Flair has always had a bit more of an openly rocky relationship because he is openly a flawed man who's been married five times, who's, you know, doesn't want to stop being Ric Flair. And while we're here, while we're waiting for Callum to reconnect, I do want to openly speak about I want everyone to take away from Ric Flair's last match. Please tell people you love them, despite their shortcomings. Please make people feel safe at home. Like Let people know that they have a place to go to where they don't need to be on. Because I was, my heart was breaking for Ric Flair. And he did the best he could. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was like the worst thing I've ever seen. It was just like... Man, I wish you didn't need this. Yeah. I wish I was reading interviews where you said for one night I get to be myself again. I I I don't want that for you. I want you to feel safe and feel happy at, as whomever you are outside of the ring. Yeah, because there's plenty of people that when they've left pro wrestling, they've just been like, you know what, I'm super into, I don't know, the real estate or they're playing with my grandkids or whatever. And they're fine. And then other people are just doing the convention circuit and they're living off of what their um, their heyday used to be and, you know, always telling stories and everything like that, which, you know, it's fine enough. But it's another thing to feel like you have to get back into the ring. And the quote that you said about the uh, I get to be me thing, you can tell that that's he misses that and everything. And. I don't know if, uh, in hindsight, if it was necessarily a good idea to do this whole thing, but he did say at the time that it was better than his previous retirement. So at least he's getting some kind of happiness when it comes to that. He really did. And I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I cannot agree with that. Maybe, maybe he feels that way because so many more people can now come forward. Like it wasn't just, Hey, here's the WWE locker room emptying out. It was like, Here's everyone in the world sending in pictures and videos and all these things. But, like, for me, it was just, like, that Shawn Michaels' retirement is, that's, those three days, Saturday Hall of Fame, Sunday Mania, Monday, the send-off, are maybe the best things WWE has ever done for someone. Legitimately, like, I don't know of any better send-off. Undertaker! who damn sure deserved a better send-off from Vince McMahon and the WWE, didn't get a better send-off than that. That is the best way to honor someone that I've ever seen. And I just don't know if this accomplished that, but if it did for him, then I'm all for it. So we're still struggling to get Callum on here. I don't know if he's going to be able to reconnect. We might have lost him necessarily for good not for good that's you know i'll never hear from him again but um i do see morbid yeah (laughs) i do see his scores up on our spreadsheet and it looks like he gave uh 10 for popularity as he was saying and a nine for credibility yes he is saying here that his internet died he wants us to let you know that he gave flair a nine for credibility that he probably won't be back online so callum has the highest score overall with an 84. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's better. 
I, I don't, I'm not going to go back and fix my score. I just feel like internally, I'm a bigger Flair fan than my score shows. But when you break it down from an honest perspective, like it is what it is. You know, what's funny is there's, uh, you got 84 for Callum and somebody else. He gave an 84. I've okay. got, I've got a 78. You've got a 79. There's somebody else, that same person that we're 78, uh, 79 and 79. So that other person is Brock Lesnar who has a 79, a 79 and an 84. And then Ric Flair is a 78, a 79 and an 84. Two Minnesota wrestling legends. <laughs> Two. Uh, Brock, and at this point, it's so crazy, right? Because Brock is still going. And it seems like a long time ago that it was like a pipe dream that he would ever come back. And I feel like Flair's the opposite, where he's just gone for so long that I don't know if he'll ever truly stop. Wait, you think Flair's going to wrestle again? I no, no, to be clear, I hope he will. But I'm not... I can never fully say that he wouldn't. Because <laughs> he's Ric Flair. That's true. And, you know, DDP said during the roast that you could retire five more times and we'd all still come and watch it because you're Ric Flair. Cody Rhodes said during the last match, he sent in a video saying... You can do whatever you want. You can come out on Raw and beat the hell out of me. And I'm fine with that because you're Ric Flair. So I think that's the, the takeaway here. No matter what, no matter what the numbers show, he's Ric Flair. And he'll always be one of the best of all time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to go, why isn't he closer to a 100? And if you look at our different scores that we have, I think the highest overall three-person average that we have is Undertaker, and that's a 90.67. And even that, I think, can be argued at this point. Do we lower him for public relations? You know right. Because I mean? like, he does have a much higher score for public relations than we could have gone at this point. So you get certain like, people that, like, uh, you know, they get super high, but they still end up with that 80-something average, and Ric Flair is at an 80.33. And to touch on uh, one final thing, because I do know in the same vein that people are going to say, why'd you give him... Why didn't you give him a hundred? There will be people who are like, how did you not give him a one a for one PR for public relations? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, to touch on that, I'm quite frankly, super duper surprised that Callum gave him the highest score, <laughs> but <laughs> like try to be as, as fair and objective as we can, you know? And that's, that's it. That's all I got to say. That's our uh, breakdown. So you tell us what your score is in the comments below. And if you want to help support us through different means outside of just doing that and hitting the like button and all that, then you should pass a little bit of a spare change right away. You know, uh, we don't have the money that Ric Flair has. So hit the thanks button if you uh, feel so inclined or you can get on the Patreon or you can click join on YouTube. It's the same exact thing. You got the dark cast, you got the pick your poison tier, you know, you also got merchandise shops, T public and red bubble. If you want to pick up a t-shirt or any other kinds of things uh, that those different designs can go on. And if you are just listening to us and all that, then that helps out quite a bit too. But that is it for the superstar score stuff. If you want to check out the next episode, that's going to be coming your way. It's going to be another episode of the hot tags 
And then we're going to get into some of the other things that we were pre-recording ahead of time. Uh, I will be in Brazil for a little bit, so we're going to kind of knock these things out on the week that I'm feeling like this. <laughs> but uh, hopefully my energy level is up higher for the next episode. Uh, either the next one is either going to be the mock draft pay-per-view cards for AEW and WWE, or it's going to be the discussion on the top rope list and Mount Rushmore of UK wrestlers from WWE history. I don't know which one I'm going to release first, but you will hear it when it goes up. And if you are subscribed and you have the email alert set up, then you'll get an email when that does go up. And that's kind of the whole point. So if you want to follow and like and share everything that's over here, do the same thing over to fanboysanonymous.com. That's the sister website for all the geek culture topics and stuff. And if you got the YouTube channel and the podcasts and everything that's over there, you know, you helped out that brand. It's going to help out the same as, uh, Help it out, it's markout moment. But you can also go to amangotree.com and see what else I'm up to and follow me and like and all that over at Tony Mango. Follow yeah. Callum at Wigmeister14. Check out what he's got going on with the power rankings and stuff and check out what Rob's up to. Absolutely. And you can check me out. I regularly contribute to like the triple threat on Smartout Moment. You can see me my work on Fightful. You can see my work on WrestleZone. I'm mostly a fightful guy at this point. Almost three years I've been working for Tony. Um, and yeah, follow me at Dude Felice everywhere, and we'll see you in the next one. Alrighty, everybody, that's it for this edition. Thank you for listening, and thank you for all your support, and we will see you next time. But for now, this has been another Smart Out Moment, and we are being counted out. <laughs>